Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, friends, and welcome to Season 3 of Quit Your Day Job. I am your host, Alicia Fernandez-Miranda. In this podcast, you'll learn all about the fascinating jobs that people do, some that you might never have even heard of, as you contemplate your own possibilities. I started this podcast because I've always been fascinated by jobs. I even quit my own day job to spend a year as an intern, and you can read all about it in my new book, My What If Year. It's out now and can be bought everywhere books are sold. Or head over to my website, aliciafmiranda.com, for more info. In these times of quiet quitting and great resignations and loud quitting or whatever, I think more people than ever want to follow their passion. Everyone on this podcast has, and I encourage you to do the same. Hey, everybody. I have a really special episode for you today. Some of you might know that when I was getting ready to launch my What If Year out into the world, it was really important to me to have a nonprofit partner who I could support through fundraising and awareness raising, someone whose mission was aligned with the book. And when I thought about the incredible opportunities I had had during my own What If Year through my internships, I realized they all had one thing in common. I had accessed them through my networks, friends of friends, family of friends, people that stepped up and took a chance on me to give me the internships I wanted. And so I was so delighted to find the Posse Foundation, who helps brilliant, high-performing kids build their own networks. They take students from diverse backgrounds and they bring them to selective colleges and universities through things like scholarships, internships, and programs to help them get jobs. And Posse was founded by an incredible woman who is still its president and my guest on the podcast today, Deborah Beal, who is an expert in the fields of higher education administration, college success, and leadership development. She grew Posse from a concept into a national program that now has a budget of over 30 million a year. Debbie was awarded a MacArthur Genius Grant in 2007 and holds more than 30 honorary doctorates. I hope you enjoyed this episode and interview with Debbie. And if you want to find out more about the Posse Foundation, you can go to their website or mine. Debbie, welcome to Quit Your Day Job. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. I am so excited. I have been crowing about my love for Posse since before Book Tour started. And so uh, I feel so fortunate that you have decided to join us today. And in doing all my research and prep, your background is just beyond impressive. You are a legitimate genius, as according to MacArthur. So I'm just so, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to hear all about your story. Well, I'm excited to talk to you. It's an honor to be here. And you know, I, I'm I'm a big fan of yours. So thank you. Mutual. So we typically start out with a little speed round. I have been doing a this or that this season, uh, but as I just told you and threw on you as a surprise immediately before we started recording, uh, I went down this rabbit hole of cinematic teachers, like the best 
teachers from movies. And uh, I sometimes find when I interview people, if I ask them about how their profession is portrayed in TV or movies, they're like, oh, it's nothing like what it is in real life, or that's actually very good. So I'm going to give you some uh, famous cinematic teachers, and I want a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And if you don't know who they are or you haven't seen the movie, we can pass. And if we pass on all of them, this will either be hilarious or we'll just cut it out later. So I think it's fine either way. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Okay. All right. Are you ready for some pop culture teachers? Thumbs up or thumbs down? Let's do it. I'm ready. Okay. So the first is Tina Fey as Mrs. Norbury in Mean Girls, the movie. Have you seen that one? No, but how could you not love Tina Fey? All right. So she gets an automatic thumbs up. Automatic thumbs up. Amazing. Um, Number two, uh, Robin Williams as Mr. Keating in Dead Poet Society. Oh, thumbs up. That's a good one. This is a newer one. So number three, Quinta Brunson as Miss Teagues in Abbott Elementary. Brand new show, making lots of waves. She's really cute. It's elementary school teaching. I don't know when you taught, if you taught older kids or younger kids. I never taught. Oh, you didn't ever. So you're an education strategist, I know, but you were not in the classroom. No, I mean, I've I've done adjunct and I've, you know, in in universities, but I haven't taught in school. All right. Well, I'm going to give I'm going to give yeah, Miss Teagues a, a thumbs up for you because that absolutely thumbs up. very cute. I, I think they're all going to get thumbs up. <laughs> all right. Uh, number four. This is uh, one of my favorite television shows. The principal in Saved by the Bell, Mr. Belding, Dennis Haskins. So just so everybody listening knows, I'm even too old for Saved by the Bell, even though I know <laughs> what it was, but I'm 57. So I think that was just after my TV watching days. As 90s heyday, 90s heyday, yeah. I think, Saved by the Bell. Yeah. Mr. Belding, he had his flaws. I don't know what's happened to him now. I think we'll give him a pass because I don't want <laughs> to comment. All right. And then the final one, Professor Dumbledore in Harry Potter. That's a thumbs up. All right. So this was like a very... Then you did, first of all, you did great. You knew a lot of these. Isn't Dumbledore... <laughs> isn't Dumbledore the like, guy with the long beard? He's Correct. like the headmaster. Yeah, Correct. he's a, yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. a pretty nice guy. Okay. Well, you slayed that, Debbie. So well done. Yeah. Thanks for the help. <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay. I might have to do a thumbs up, thumbs down for all my podcasts from now on. But the whole point is to warm us up and get us in the mood to talk about your brilliant career and Posse Foundation, the organization you founded. Um, but before we get into where you are now, I want you to take me back. So tell me a little bit about your path into founding Posse and into the role that you're in now? Take you back, like maybe back to the 1980s, even before Saved by the Bell. Even before right? Saved by the Bell. Let's do it. <laughs> so the 1980s, um, I don't know if everyone knows, but the word Posse was the hip word, you know, and all the, the just the hip word in the youth culture. And everybody knew it meant my group of friends, the people who backed me up. And I had been working in a youth organization called the City Kids Foundation. And there were these great, smart, wonderful kids. This was in, in New York City who, who were going off to college and then dropping out. they just come back. And we were so frustrated because we knew how, how excellent these young people were. And one student said, I never would have dropped out if I'd had my posse with me. And I'm just pausing because hopefully to everyone who's listening to this, that just is like a, a 
you know, brain explosion moment. Totally. It made so much sense, right? Why not send a team of students, a cohort, a posse mm-hmm. of students together to college so they could back each other up? Imagine you grow up in the Bronx and you end up in like Greencastle, Indiana, right? You're a little less likely to say, I'm go- I'm leaving. Yeah. Go. So that's how we started the program. That's amazing. You know, I feel like it's kind of revolutionary because there's almost this idea, I think, that that getting into college moment, that's like the happily ever after moment, right? That's where the movies typically end. You know, you've got the inspirational teacher, the hard on their luck students, and then they get the acceptance letter and then that's it. And I think it's fascinating that this was built out of you finding that that wasn't the end. It was really just the beginning and that there were still huge challenges, which I think people are maybe more aware of now than they were in the 80s. Do you think that's the case? I think so. I think we're a much more educated society in many ways. We still have enormous challenges related to equity and equality. There's a lot of fighting to be done to make sure we're we're really trying to build the meritocracy that we think we we are. We're not mm-hmm. really there yet, right? So, yeah. you know, we said, look, it's not that these young people aren't brilliant or talented or capable. It's that the culture shock is too much. So if you create a community on campus that gives people a sense of security, right, which exists for a lot of young people anyway, why why wouldn't that help? So, So in 1989, we picked the first cohort and we sent that posse from New York City to Nashville, Tennessee, to Vanderbilt University. At the time, Vanderbilt was very white, very Southern, very wealthy. The the girls wore dresses to the football games, you know, with a certain (laughs) life. And so that first posse went and they knocked it out of the park. And today, just to give people a couple of numbers, right, we've sent 12,000 students to college. They've won an astounding two billion dollars in scholarships from our partner colleges and universities. They graduate at rates of 90%. And then the goal is for them to go become leaders in the workforce, right? We're not just a college success program. It's really about, you know, getting representational diversity Mm. in every industry and every aspect of our society. And Alicia, I think about all the different places you worked in your book. Mm -hmm. Right. No matter what industry you were part of, if you looked at the leadership, it was it's very homogeneous. We're still very white. Yeah. Right. I'm I'm guessing you experienced. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the Senate is 90 percent white. The Fortune 500 CEOs of this country are very homogeneous, you know, and also very male. Mm -hmm. So Posse saying, how can we help create this great pipeline to leadership positions in the workforce? How did you find your way into youth work in the first place? Was that something you were always motivated to kind of work in the nonprofit sector when you were a kid? Nope. But I think that's a great question that I'm I'm hoping you ask everyone you interview, right? Mm. Yeah, Sometimes, we always go way back. Sometimes people want yeah. to be an, entom- an uh, entomologist or a lot of people wanted to be ballerinas and then they find their way somewhere yeah. else. Oh my God, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a farmer. I wanted to illustrate children's books, you know, not nothing related to what I do today. But I wonder how many people end up in jobs that they imagined they would be in, you know? And sometimes you just have to, as you said earlier, right, with Robin Williams, seize the day, mm. right? You have to try to find the opportunity that might be right in front of you. 
Absolutely. So you wanted to be a farmer. You found your way. You had this (laughs) brilliant idea to have a posse. How did you turn that into a reality? I mean, the, the short answer is you surround yourself with people who know what they're doing. And you also believe in yourself, Mm. right? Who says I can cut my, I can quit my huge money-making corporate job like you did and go travel around and experience other people's professions. But you believed in yourself and you surrounded yourself with people who could help you make that happen. Yeah. That's the same with Posse. It's a really interesting point. I think I think a lot, you know, one of the things that really attracted me to Posse was I think I've reflected a lot on my experience of going to Harvard from Miami for the first time. And there were a few of us from Miami, not very many. And I was in awe of these kids from New York City who had come from these kind of top private schools. And they all, they already had a network. They had their connections. They knew, they were already thinking about like what summer internships they were going to get when we started. And even just on that really basic social level, while I was grasping around for anybody who would be my friend, you know, they had they had so many people that they knew. And that confidence that comes with having a network. And the value that comes out of having a network, it was like a brand new experience for me at 18 years old, freezing because I didn't know what kind of clothes you're supposed to wear in Boston either. I came with all open-toed shoes. So that should just tell you something. (laughs) And it has really stuck with me my entire life. And I have so much... I've, I've had so much given to me and put back in... I've put so much back into my own network. And then when I heard about Posse and the work that you guys were doing, it felt like such a no brainer of a concept, but also like I couldn't, I almost thought I couldn't believe that everybody wasn't doing something like this because it was so brilliant. And it was just so the the way that it grew. I mean, I'd love you to tell me a little bit more about that. How'd you go from one school to where you guys are now? You've always, as I mentioned, we, we started just with one school, right? It was Vanderbilt university that, and they were great because they took a chance on a program with no track record. And they were also taking a chance, frankly, on kids who didn't have the best test scores, you know, the SATs. They maybe didn't go to the best high schools, but they believed us, right? They they also believed that we could identify kids who were talented and could be successful, even if they didn't look like the traditional admit at a college. So we started with one school and we really tried to create a program by listening to the young people, right? What did they say they needed? They need a mentor, they need housing, they need, you know, whatever it was they needed. We built this program. And so from 1989 to 1999, right? The first 10 years, we were designing, developing the program, adding colleges and universities. And in 1999, we said, okay, do you think we could replicate this New York City program in another city? Is that possible? And we got a grant from the Federal Department of Education, and we opened in Boston, and it worked, right? After 10 years of building this thing, we we tried it, and it worked. So one year later, we opened in Chicago, and then we began to grow every two years, opening in a new city, until in 2015, we were now operating out of 10 cities in the United States. Amazing. 
Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I'll tell you another story which is amazing about growth since you're asking about growth. During the pandemic in 2020, we panicked. How could we run this very personal program? It's about relationships, building a posse, a team of 10 students. They're coming every week after school to hang out with each other and we do workshops. How do you do that on Zoom? Mm. Not to mention, how do you interview 17,000 nominated students on Zoom? So our staff transformed the program, right? How We translated it really to the virtual platform and it worked. And I, I remember I woke up one day in my apartment on the Upper West Side and I said, oh my God, it's working on Zoom. <laughs> We're doing this program that we've been doing all these years, 30 years, right? Incredible. On Zoom, I just, I'm still, and so I called Arnie Duncan, who's the former Secretary of mm-hmm. Education under Obama and Alberto Carvalho, who at the time was the superintendent of Miami-Dade Public yeah, School. My old school uh, system. That's right. Mm-hmm. And the three of us put a meeting together and we uh, we called the superintendents of cities we've never been in before. Cities like Dallas, Philadelphia, Memphis. These are cities Posse had never been in. And they all came. And that we asked them at that Zoom meeting, would they be willing to be a virtual Posse city? Because now we could do these posses on Zoom. Wow. And they all said yes. And we overnight, talk about growth, more than doubled the number of cities that we recruit students from. And now today, we're recruiting posses out of more than 20 United States cities. It's a big deal. What do you look for in these kids that make it? I know it's an incredibly selective process. What is the it factor that they have that makes you want to support them and believe in them as posse? Right. Every year, kids are nominated by someone who believes in them, right? A a teacher, a principal, a community organization, executive director, right? Someone who believes this young person deserves a shot because they're brilliant. Mm. They could be a leader. You could imagine them as a CEO, a college president, a senator, right? They're only 17. But about 17,000 of those students, those nominated students come to us every year. And we have something called the dynamic assessment process, which is this really non-traditional way of interviewing students. We start with a large group interview. Imagine you're a kid from New Orleans or from Los Angeles. You walk into the room and there's a hundred students in the room. Wow. Can you picture this? And our team walks in and for three hours, we run them through a series of activities. They're building robots out of Legos. They're running a discussion about genetic testing. They're, you know, they're they're completing tasks that allow us to watch how they operate in a community, in a group. 
And we look for leadership and, and their ability to work well in small teams. We look for their communication and problem solving skills. And that's our first screen because we're looking for leaders. I think we make a mistake in this country when we equate diversity with deficit. Mm. And Posse has said for over three decades, right, we are a merit leadership program. This is about finding talent. We're not a program for at-risk, poor, minority, needy, underprivileged students. We're a program for outstanding students, Mm -hmm. even if they don't look traditional and don't show up on the radar screen um, because they don't have the best test scores or they didn't go to the best high school. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And those first cohorts, you know, they've got to be now well-established in their careers in kind of, you know, ideally in leadership positions. What are they up to? What have you seen with that first bunch? And have they come back into the Posse family in different ways? You're kind of early alumni. Yeah, we have 7,000 plus alumni in the workforce. Think about this, right? And they're doctors and CEOs. They're, you know, I, I always tell Shirley's story, who Shirley Colliano, who, who grew up in Brooklyn and her dad drove a yellow taxi in New York. She's a Dominican kid. She she had terrible SAT scores, but we knew her from City Kids. Remember City Kids on mm-hmm. way back, right? She was in the very first posse and she's really smart. She goes to Vanderbilt. She's in that very first posse and she graduates with honors. She gets her doctorate in clinical psychology from Duke University. She becomes the dean of the college at Middlebury. Wow. And after a short amount of time, she became the president of Ithaca College, the first Dominican-American to be president of a four-year college in the entire United States. Incredible. And now she's she's amazing. She's continuing to do amazing things. And, and she's not an anomaly or an exception. She's the rule. And Posse Scholars, that's what you're going to see them doing out there in the workforce. What has changed? I mean, the world has changed so dramatically since 1989 when you started this. What about Posse has changed and what stayed the same? Aside from growth, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we have become a very codified, exacting program. So we have almost 200 people on staff. Our budget is $31 million um, this year. We have to standardize what we do so that mm-hmm. the quality of the program that we deliver is consistent no matter where you go. And we, you know, think about it. We're operating out of Los Angeles and New York and Chicago and Washington, D.C. Even from, you know, what we hang on the walls to the way we run a workshop. All of that is standardized. So that's developed over time. Mm. Our university partners are phenomenal. And we have 63 outstanding universities and colleges, right? Like Bryn Mawr and Brandeis and Cornell University and Northwestern and Mich- University of Michigan. Fabulous. And Kalamazoo. These are wonderful schools and they provide all the scholarships. So the model is wonderful. We would never be able to have the impact we have and be as big as we are if they weren't investing just as much as we are. So those things have developed over time. Have you, in doing this job for three plus decades now, have there been times where you have struggled to stay motivated, where you felt burnt out and what have you done about them? 
because I love what I do so much, the line has blurred between, you know, my personal life and my work life, which I know is not the case for everyone. And people do need separation. I don't really, I don't feel that (laughs) same need, but yeah, I felt like things were disaster that everything was falling apart. Like I wouldn't be able to raise the budget. Like I was going to lose a partner that we weren't going to find enough students. I, you know, when nine 11 happened, you know, our, our headquarters is on wall street. Oh, wow. And it was one of the most horrible days of our lives, right? And but there, I, there's always someone who helps. Again, you surround yourself with people who believe and care. And, and the college board stepped in and gave us office space and gave us a fax machine and a computer. And it, remember, it was September 11th right when nominations were coming in. And we yeah. thought, are we going to have to cancel Posse this year? You know, but we didn't. We did yeah. it even, even in the middle of the terrorist attack. It's amazing. What do you think is the most unexpected thing about your job? Something that somebody looking in from the outside would have no idea about or something that people might find surprising? I think, you know, I'm going to underscore this. The people... People are most surprised that we are a merit-based scholarship. Mm. And I it's so important. And Alicia, I'm so happy that you're doing this and bringing, you know, kind of shining a spotlight on this for Posse. People see Black kids and Latinx kids and first-generation kids as if they have something wrong with them and that they need some kind of help because of it. We fight against that every day, right? And the fact that Posse is not defined by any kind of deficit when it comes to the population we serve, I think surprises people. I think Mm. people want to see us as a program for poor kids or for at-risk students because they equate diversity or ethnicity or race with that, which is unfortunate. So we're not that. This is like a Rhodes Scholarship. It's like a Fulbright, right? These are merit scholarships. And when you win a Posse Scholarship, you're part of only 4% of the nominated pool of students. It's it's hard to get a Posse Scholarship as it is to get into Harvard. There is so much love for you guys. Throughout my book tour, I have met people who said, oh, my roommate was a Posse scholar and he's my best friend or, you know, Russell Investments, who I spoke at their offices in Seattle, were so delighted because they have Posse scholars coming in for an internship. And, you know, there is so much love and goodwill for what you're doing. What is on the horizon for you guys? What's going to happen in the next, you know, short, medium term for Posse? What are your big plans? Well, we're... I was almost going to say off the record. But we're, <laughs> oh, we are on the record, baby. <laughs> on the record. We're building um, something called the Century of Leaders Fund, which eventually will be a half a billion dollar fund to support 100 college and university partnerships. As, as a result, we'll support 100,000 Posse scholars over the next century for this country. It's huge. And it's huge. It's huge. And so, you know, that's a big thing. And the other big thing on the flip side of that is 
you know, Marvin Figueroa works for the Biden administration. He's a Posse alum and he's on our national board of directors. Nana Sarpong is an orthopedic surgeon at Columbia Presbyterian, right? He's a Posse alum and he's on our board of directors. You know, Daniel Achempong is a Posse alum from Brandeis University. He runs his own investment firm, right? Kobe Altman is a Posse alum. He's the president of basketball operations at the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's on our board of directors. And so what's in the future you, you begin to hear? Posse is going to, hopefully, they're going to take my job. They're going to be on the board and they're going to make this organization one of the most important leadership development organizations this country has ever seen. Well, I think you are certainly already there. Debbie, I have loved talking to you and talking about Posse. Tell me what people listening can do to get involved if they want to know more or do more. Oh my gosh. Thanks for, that's so nice that you're asking that. We need volunteers. And we need funding, right? We have to raise millions of dollars every year. And we just need people to love us. So they can go to our website, www.posseyfoundation.org. And it's a really good website. You can you can see how to volunteer and how to donate on that website. I agree. And you can also find information about Posse on my website, if that's how you found this podcast. Debbie, thank you so, so much for everything you do every day and for letting me kind of be a tiny little part of the Posse family. I have been so, so grateful to be able to do that. Oh, I'm so grateful to you and you're bringing attention to this program. And I think what you're doing is amazing. You're just such a beautiful spirit. And and thanks for including me in your life. Thanks so much for listening to Quit Your Day Job. We are produced by Zibby Audio and want to send a huge thanks to Zibby Owens, Chelsea Grogan, and the team at Texture Sound for their support. Don't forget to buy your copy of my What If Year, which is out now. You can also sign up for my mailing list on aliciafmiranda.com or find me on Instagram at aliciafmiranda. It's the best place to hear about future podcasts and, of course, memes about Gilmore Girls. And if you decide to quit your day job, please share that too. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.